of knowing. All right, man. Welcome to Pro Triple Seven Radio. This is episode 418. Jason Lingren is with me and Wayne McCroy is with us. Uh, we're going to get into a thing and I want to be right up front, not saying any of this is true. If it is correct and it is written by very serious groups who claim to be holding information from a bygone era that magically all got dumped out into the public in the last third of the 1800s. This is true for the light of Egypt, for much of the Steiner work there. We hit this point in the last third of the 1800s where all these Rosicrucians, the secret brotherhood of the, you know, all these secret brotherhoods that claim to be holding secret information about our existence started dumping it. Now, what they, they say, the reason they did it is because their leaders said it's time there's bad things coming. Well, I don't think we can argue that there were bad things coming, but whether or not these ideas hold water uh, is another thing. We'll put them out there. It's pretty much the ideas are universal in some ways and slightly, they don't line up perfectly all the way across the board, but I would suggest we'll see what Wayne says when he gets in that the, the idea of a human double is what I'm going to call it. Now, for those who want to know sources, one of the main sources that's easy to get is Rudolf Steiner's book, Secret Brotherhoods. Uh, it is primarily about these topics. Uh, the thing about it is all these other things in that book, like the realms of influence, what we call orbits and planets, that lines up pretty well with things like the light of Egypt and other things. Anyhow, there's a big mouthful. What I'm saying is we're going to lay down information, and I couldn't possibly verify this if I wanted to at the level I exist. Welcome, Jason. And a very warm good morning. All right. So welcome, Wayne. Hey, guys. Good to be back on here again. Good morning to both of you and to everybody out there. Wayne, before we get started, let's get all of your contact info out there first. Uh, I could be found over on Rockfin. That's R-O-K-F-I-N dot com backslash Wayne McCroy. Also, my YouTube channel, I've been a little more active on there lately. That's called Alchemical Tech Revolution. So I've been posting more things there and I can be found on Facebook at Files from the Conspiratorium. And I have several books out there, uh, my most recent being called The Demic of Pan, Breaking the Natural Order, where I explore some of the ideas of how mythology has been utilized against the masses here in a way to try to change the world mind into accepting a new mythology, which deifies our modern science as the new god of this place and uh, to further drive people into the hyper-materialist viewpoint. So you can check out all of that. And also, uh, I can be found every Wednesday night with Jason over on Secrets of Saturn, where we do a weekly live stream. And we will also be doing Death of the Modern Hero uh, beginning here very soon. Uh, it's a new channel and a new project that we've launched, exploring different uh, titles uh, of uh, various movies and entertainment things as far as like science fiction and fantasy, those kind of things, and exploring some of the roots of uh, how mythology and archetypes and stuff permeate that and breaking down some of the social engineering aspects of it. So I could be found all of those places. All right. Should we, should we just open up by trying to illustrate the realms, which is basically what most of us have grown up hearing from NASA. These are planets in their orbits. That's what NASA would say. Uh, the secret brotherhoods mark them as spiritual realms. It's pretty much universal in what I've read across things like the light of Egypt, Steiner, some of the Rosicrucian stuff. But there is one big exception where in Steiner's work, he's claiming the following. Mercury and Venus have been flipped. What he's claiming 
is that in an older manuscripts, if you read these words, they're the exact opposite of how we use them. In other words, if you go out to see what we call Venus the evening or the morning star, which is pretty much the brightest thing you can look at other than the sun or a full moon, I don't know, it might even be brighter than a full moon. It's pretty darn bright. Looks like a piercing white diamond. Uh, that would be Mercury, according to what we're about to lay down. And this is information. Put it in your back pocket. Um, this kind of information is stuff I hold on to. And then I see if it ever verifies anywhere with other things that I'm doing. So here we go. Once again, you have what we call Earth. Now, this is a realm. From Earth to the moon is the spiritual hierarchy of angels. From the moon to what we call Venus, which they call Mercury, is the spiritual realm of the archangels. From Mercury to Venus, Venus being what we call Mercury, is the spiritual realm of the so-called archai. Now, from that point to the sun is a big wide band called the powers of the sun. Everything I have just described is drawn like you would expect an orbit to be drawn, although it's being called a spiritual realm. The center of everything I just described out to the sun, Earth is the central point. Now, as I move forward, the central point is going to become the sun. You have to imagine this in your mind. From the sun to Mars is the mites of Mars, the spiritual realm of the mites, like mighty, mites of Mars. From Mars to Jupiter is the domain or the dominions of Jupiter, the dominions of Jupiter. From Jupiter to Saturn, we get out to the granddaddy of them all, according to everything I've ever read. That would be the thrones of Saturn. Now, some places go a little bit further and say beyond that grand old daddy Saturn, uh, there are the cherubim and seraphim, and beyond that is God, the Godhead, the creator of all that permeates everything. So, Wayne, you want to add, oh, there's the idea of the midnight sun here. If you want to expound on what I just said and maybe address the midnight sun, which is depicted in some of these charts. Well, I would say the depiction of the midnight sun, in this case, uh, sitting above the thrones of Saturn, uh, this would represent uh, the, the direct uh, link to the Godhead, per se, uh, in, in this type of a scenario. Uh, so this is the source sun. This is the second sun. This is the black sun. All of these different, uh, you know, concepts we've heard. And, uh, you know, quite possibly what you may have recorded on video at one point, bro. Uh, is it visible in the earthly spectrum? Uh, perhaps, perhaps not. I mean, we, we see you used special filters and stuff to actually detect that. And other people have now duplicated that work. Uh, so is there something to it? Perhaps there is. And uh, it's, it's hard to tell uh, from our vantage point here in this physical realm in which we live, when we look up at the sky and we see these things, and they've been described to us as planets and orbits and these different ideas. But if you go back to these older philosophies, uh, these are different uh, layers, spheres of influence, so to say, uh, with, within uh, the different uh, structure of the universe here, uh, as it's, it's depicted in these charts. Uh, so there's energetic principles uh, correlated to each of these different things that we call planets now, or you know, these different uh, uh, shells of the firmament, so to say, uh, as it's depicted in some of the drawings. Uh, so uh, there's, there's energetic principles that uh, derive from these different areas and affect things here on the earth. Uh, so that being the case, uh, we need to keep this in mind. It's a different way of thinking from what the modern uh, technological or scientific viewpoint of our world is. 
so the, the, this is altogether different. Uh, you have to think in more philosophical terms and think outside the box, so to say. Uh, so these are layered one on top of another in certain uh, dynamics here. Uh, so when we look at this, uh, the best way to think of it is energetic principles. Think of these as natural energetic principles, right? And it's an intelligently guided energetic principle. Uh, that's what the old philosophies uh, describe these things as pretty much when you break it down to its core idea. Uh, so, you know, when you're talking about uh, planets or astrological influences or even gods in some of the ancient mythologies and stuff like that, which many of these realms uh, or these these spheres of influence, I should say, were named after, this is kind of what they're representing. Uh, so uh, when when you look at these things, if you think in those broad terms about it, instead of uh, all the preconceived notions we've been given, like uh, they would like us to think of these things as like, say, uh, Saturn. OK, we're, we're taught to think of this is the god Saturn. This is uh, Kronos, uh, uh, you know, father time, this this kind of thing. Uh, it's a personification of a natural influence, right, of an influential energetic principle. Uh, so when we think in those terms and we're, we're trying to personify that and uh, saying that uh, these old cultures and stuff worshipped this God, so to say, I don't think that's entirely accurate, right? Maybe on the exoteric level, it might have been accurate at some point, but it, it's rel been relatively understood by peoples in the past uh, that belong to some of these mystery school teachings and stuff like that, uh, that what was being described there was something entirely different, it was more of an energetic principle inherent in the natural realm here that influences us. Uh, this has also been described by various uh, occult groups like the Theosophical Society as a rays, like the, the energetic colored rays of influence, right? Uh, so this is another thing uh, that corresponds here as well. And if you look at these charts, you could see all the inherent, uh, the seven colors of the rainbow are uh, represented in these charts that uh, that show this and and you know each one is correlated to a particular planetary body as we would know it so these are important ideas to get a hold of and and sometimes people overlook this and are we're, we're not really taught this stuff uh in our modern parlance here uh with the our scientific viewpoint that we've been given in the modern era uh so when when you could equate these things down to all these basic ideas and see just how um how prevalent all these things are uh, in the way things work here and, and the way things are. You could see all the, the overlaps of all these different ideals. Uh, so these things are, are important to think about and to discuss. Uh, but like I said, it requires thinking outside the box, right? Outside of what uh, we've been conditioned to believe is the normal and how things work, right? With the scientific viewpoint that we've been given by NASA and other people trying to describe cosmology. Uh, this is a totally different way of thinking. So this describes spheres of influence more than anything, rather than planetary bodies, so to say. And there's different spiritual principles aligned with each of these different uh, areas, so to say. Uh, and, you know, there's, there's different language used by different uh, uh, groups to describe these things, but it's all the same inherent principles at the end of the day. And we're taking a lot of what we're doing today. We're, we're taking this from the works of Steiner, Rudolf Steiner. Uh, because he had a, a, a very good understanding of these things. And I think he came pretty close to being able to describe it in ways that people could latch onto and understand. And uh, like Crow was equating earlier, or uh, uh, telling us earlier, a lot of these ideas only came out late 1800s uh, through the 1900s here. 
uh, because now's the time. And I, I think Steiner even discusses that in one of these treatises that he does uh, that, you know, now was the time because we need to recognize now's the time for us to recognize as a culture, as a people, uh, these different energetic influences and, and steer our own destiny, so to say, uh, with this and transmute, you know, the evil into good. That's what it's all about at the end of the day. And we'll, we'll touch on those concepts a little bit more here as we go. Uh, but that's, that's basically the, the idea here of uh, what's being described. These are different spheres of influence or different rays of influence emanating from these spheres of influence, so to say. And you could think of it as like, a, you know, um, layers, right? Different layers, different realms sitting one on top of another in certain ways. Uh, and this this kind of equates back to the idea of the firmament, right? These would be layers of the firmament, so to say, but you can't uh, uh, escape one layer and step into another layer without some kind of a, well, well you can't do that with your physical body, so to say. Uh, it would be some kind of a, 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 a uh, transmutive idea. You would have to, some kind of an ascendancy uh, to pass from one of these realms to another. And a lot of this equates to, uh, you know, many of the spiritual teachings that they teach about, things like the etheric body and the astral body, things of that sort. Uh, it, it's said that uh, some of the mystics and stuff could transcend to some of these different planes, so to say, uh, in their etheric or uh, astral forms, but uh, the physical body does not go there, right? Uh, so this is, it's a different way of thinking. So uh, when we're saying that uh, things don't go beyond low Earth orbit, this is probably why, okay? We can't prove that necessarily, but uh, this is probably why. I mean, we don't know what is beyond uh, the earth, so to say. So uh, we can only speculate as to what may be out there and listen to what's been described to us, but we know uh, that what's been described to us is not accurate, right? And they have no actual proof of such thing. All of the manuf all of the uh, photographs and everything of, of what they call space are, are manufactured and, you know, it's photoshopped, but they, they say it's necessary to photoshop it, though. They can't actually uh, take an actual picture or snapshot of it. Uh, so it, we're left with a dilemma. What do we believe? What do we know to be true? What can we prove to be true? And that's that's major problem for a lot of us. We can't prove or disprove what we're being told here with this stuff because we don't have the means to get into orbit, so to say, and actually take a physical look at it. Right. So we're we're kind of left at a, a vantage point where we need discernment and we need to discern with the things that we have around us here, with the the evidences that we see in the natural world uh, to determine what, what's true and what's not, because there's no lie in nature. Uh, so when we look at the natural order of things and we see how things operate here, we could make some uh, observations from this and maybe come to the conclusion that we've been lied to on a massive scale with a lot of this stuff. And then we look back and we find some of these older materials that talk about uh, the cosmology being something more akin to this than say physical rocks in space floating around and flying around at millions of miles per hour, right? It just doesn't, doesn't make sense, it defies logic. And if, if you could think of a you know, more philosophical way towards some of these older ideas, I think it's a better or more apt description of how things work because we do see the intelligence inherent in the natural world around us, don't we? This, this didn't come about by accident. Uh, and it, it wasn't just some gigantic explosion that resulted in the construction of everything in an intelligent fashion. 
Uh, that doesn't even make sense, but that's exactly what the materialist viewpoint would have us believe. That's primarily who's in charge today, and uh, there's different spiritual reasons for that, and we'll get to that as we go on here. But uh, I think I've said enough. I don't want to, like, you know, totally uh, hog up all that mic time here. Let's make the point. Most of us don't have a basis to think about the things we're laying down unless they've read a lot of very kind of esoteric things, very old things. Uh, we have a hypermaterialist view. There's an orbit out there. There's this rock with dirt called Mars that we can put a rover on. I don't accept that these things are true. And what's worse is if you go back to the myths, uh, they'll say, oh, well, Jupiter, he's a god. Well, no, I've read much of that. What they're talking about is aspects of nature. There is only one god. There is one overarching principle, the creator, the creation that permeates everything. And from my point of view, to call Saturn or Jupiter or Mars a god is to try to dilute back to hypermaterialism ideas that can be much better explained. So if we go into the idea here, what I've done in the past, because all of us have to challenge it ourselves, decide if there's any value in these ideas we're expressing. So let's ask a question, is what we call Earth alive? Is this place alive? Now, pretty much three possibilities. I don't know, yes or no. Most people I speak with, including myself, say, yes, the earth is a living organism. That's probably the wrong word, but you know where I'm going. So if we are standing on a living thing, how is it that we look up at the creation and don't afford the things we're seeing the same, the same principle? Those things are alive. And the reason I'm bringing it up is in the older ways um, that these brilliant secret societies apparently had, hid from everybody for way too long. Uh, is that each one of these is a luminary and a consciousness. That's how they describe them. So when you saw the moon or Mercury or Venus, or the, it's a luminary and a consciousness. There's differences. Um, the sun is clearly not the same thing as what's called planets. But as we go in here, just keep in mind what we're trying to take, what supposed people in the know are claiming are the spiritual realities. And so if we think of these realms as natural, influences in other words nature's influences one idea i might use is all the way back through every myth you've ever read mars it's called the mites of mars but that fits perfectly it's warlike right so all the really hyperactive warlike things that happen it's claiming are from that natural influence that we call mars that's the claim so as we move in here i feel like i dropped something but we'll get to it oh and as for the midnight sun did i film it i don't know but what I can tell you is others have filmed it now. So we know it's not just a fluke or I did something wrong. It's been confirmed. But here's another thing. When I read Secret Brotherhoods by Steiner, he described that way back they knew they were getting rays from the light of the sun we don't see. What I thought, I filmed it. I filmed it in full spectrum. And what I thought I was filming was a reflection of the moon on the firmament. That's what I thought it was. But now that I've read these other descriptions, um, it could be that before I ever filmed the sun, you don't see if that is what I filmed, if I was seeing the reflection of after the sun has gone supposedly over the horizon. Many nights I would go film the moon and then go east about a third of the sky. And there was this big, bright area in full spectrum. I did it night after night after night. I even knew I got to the point where I could just point the scope roughly in the direction and pick it up. And it looks just like literally like if someone was putting a big flashlight on the firmament in full spectrum, it looks pink. 
in Steiner's book, he describes this and the claim they're making is that is evidence of the sun we don't see. Okay, so we're going to move in. One of the main, well, let's say this. So all these secret societies and they kept all this knowledge secret. I think at first part of the reason they claim they did it is because if they didn't go underground, place like the Vatican come squish them like a bug. Maybe true. I don't know. Sounds like a reasonable thing to say. But they get to the last third of the 1800s and all these places start pumping out the light of Egypt, Steiner and the Rosicrucians, all these places start pumping all this stuff out. And this is what they say. Well, you, you guys couldn't know this before now, but now our bosses have told us it's time to get this out. And the reason is, is because there's potentially bad things coming. Well, here we are post 2020. Was there bad things coming? Hell yes. We are living bad things right now. So if what they said was true, from my point of view, those secret societies helped cause this. Because if this is true and it's so damn important, why didn't they release it a hundred years earlier if that was really supposed to change the game? And that's where I'm coming from. Anyhow, guys, um, what do you want to do? Do you want to jump into the next the next note point that's a double as a guardian? Are we going to read this or what are we going to do? I would say I just want to add a couple of thoughts to what you just said, and I'm in agreement. I think uh, the uh, secret society groups that have been keeping this information from the masses from time immemorial uh, were in the wrong here, because if this is so important, why withhold it for this long when it has a major effect upon the outcome of things later? And uh, I, I would say they, they probably knew the age change was coming, and I think that's what they were prepping for when they released this. I agree. Right? Uh, so they know that we're in the midst of an age change and that there's this nexus point between the two ages where these energetic principles can be manipulated. Burgoyne, just to, just to interrupt for a minute, Burgoyne, the author of uh, Light of Egypt, he claims that the age change into Aquarius was 1881, just to put a fine point on it. So what Wayne's saying for that particular writing fits like a hand in a glove. Oh, absolutely. So I think that's what they were planning on. But see, here's the other question we have. How long does an age change take? Uh, and nobody could really answer that uh, with any amount of certainty, for sure, uh, especially when you look up at the sky clock and it doesn't line up with what they're saying with the age change. Uh, so, you know, that being the case, uh, is this a nexus point, a window of opportunity between the changing over of ages? Uh, I, I would say that it probably is. And this is the idea that I explored in my latest book. Uh, the demic of pan and what i describe as the pan christ dynamic is this energetic principle of this nexus point between ages where these energies could be manipulated in certain ways to maybe change the outcomes or uh, uh, in invoke different energetic principles that may not be necessarily uh, aligned with the cyclical nature of time that we're going through uh, so I, that's that's kind of the uh, the premise that i touch on with that because i think there are these dark occultists at the top of the power structure that are trying to leverage uh, some of these different natural energetic principles against the masses to engineer what they want here in this physical place. Uh, so I think that's a, a huge portion of what's going on here. Uh, I think there were some probably good people or, or you know people working towards the good in the secret society groups that decided, okay, it's time to get some of these principles out there because uh, the public at large is clueless about these things now. And they need to understand uh, more about this. So they started doing the slow release of this type of information. And uh, now, you know, more than ever, we need to understand some of these principles, the things that have been done already and the things that are being done. 
uh, with these energetic principles, so to say, and uh, how this cosmology affects all of us. Uh, so that's that's the important aspect of that. But uh, leading into where we're going next with this, this also aligns the principle of as above, so below, uh, that hermetic principle of correspondence, right? Because all the stuff that happens in the microcosm here, or all these things that we described as being energetic forces in the macro scale of things in the universe at large, so to say, they also are encapsulated within man himself, right? Because we are the microcosm of this. So as above, so below. And that's, that's where uh, some of these principles and ideas become important because we're going to talk about uh, what's called the human double here, which is a very, very key idea to this. And uh, what affects us as man, as the microcosm, also affects the macrocosm or the universe or the world as we see it at large. So what affects one affects the other. Uh, because these things will correspond. It's just a natural principle. Uh, so that being the case, uh, whatever they're trying to accomplish on the macro scale first needs to be accomplished at, at the micro scale within man. Uh, so that, that's why these ideas are important to look at, because uh, when we're looking at cosmology or the big picture here and looking at uh, these, these forces that these occultists and stuff try to invoke in this place, we need to understand it's it's you know even though it's it's coming from the macro scale, uh, the the sky clock so to say these energetic rays as a way to describe them, uh, they they affect man on a very personal inner level right so it affects the microcosm as much as the macrocosm, uh, so in order to make large scale changes first they need to make small scale changes so they need to change man in order to change the rest of the environment and that's that's what's being done here or that at least that's what they're attempting to do and we need to recognize that and understand we have a very real place uh, in this this type of uh, a thing going on we have a very real power over this we can choose right? We have the free will principle. We have the power of choice. We can choose the direction we want to take this thing. We could choose spiritual ascension or being locked in to the material all the more. And that's what they're trying to engineer in people, the consent to being locked more into the material uh, aspect of things. And uh, uh, this leads directly to the concept that we'll be discussing here, the, the human double or, uh, you know, the Aramonic double. And there's also the Luciferic double. Uh, so there, there's all these ideas that are talked about primarily by Steiner, but they're talked about by others as well. Uh, this is an important thing, and I've actually uh, researched a little of this and done a little bit of it, uh, you know, uh, pertaining to it on, on my channel here on Rockfin, uh, talking about uh, what's called the guardian of the threshold or the dweller on the threshold. Uh, as Manly P. Hall described it, and some of the other occultists do. This is the same type of concept. So uh, it's important that we take a look at that and, and maybe break it down a little. So I don't know if you want to do a direct reading here from uh, this uh, source we have as an outline. I think we'll take, we'll take some. We'll take some yeah. of it. But, you know, there's one more point we should make uh, in certain of the Steiner books. He's literally saying, oh, these bad things are coming. So now our bosses are telling to let let everybody know these things that we've been holding to ourselves. But you should know there's these other occult secret brotherhoods who don't have your best interests at heart. And they're using all this information to to just raise holy hell. And if these things are true, then I'm sorry, all these supposed secret places, you're culpable. You are culpable. And if any of you are listening to me, you're damn culpable. Um, what the hell? Who made you masters of the universe 
to decide what truth was for everybody and what truth was not. Or for that matter, how do we even at this point, how do we even parse what you're giving us? Is this is any of this correct? Um, there's reasons that I would say it's important to know it, which is why we're doing this show. But I'm just saying so we're going to get into the double, uh, the human double. It's called, as far as I know, some of the following things in different sources, the human double, the guardian of the threshold, the Luciferian double. I'm forgetting two more. Maybe they'll call oh, doppelganger. And what's what makes this even worse is, is this what Freud was talking about when he said ego? It sure seems like it. The Bingo. other. Yeah, exactly. The other like when you're watching the movie Revolver, is this what is being referenced? And if any of it's correct, it sure seems like it. Jason, why don't we do a read and we'll cut it at task period. About halfway through, you'll come to special task period. Why don't we pick it up to there? Yeah, but first, before we do that, I'm glad you brought up the Freudian thing because that had crossed my mind too. And uh, I've actually described that uh, to some people in regards to the aramonic double, the the ego, the superego, and the id. Uh, All these concepts, it, it aligns with this principle as well. So we'll discuss that a little more as we get through this too. Well, it's important you said that aramonic was the one that I forgot. That word pops up everywhere. Aramonic. Go ahead and look it up and and do your little etymology or however you're going to do it. Just be familiar with aramonic. It's key to these ideas. Uh, you got you got the third slide, Jason. After the student of the spiritual has encountered the guardian of the threshold, further experiences await him as he ascends into super sensible worlds. First, he will notice that an inner relationship exists between this guardian of the threshold and the sole power that, in the above description, has resulted as the seventh and has shaped itself into an independent principle. Indeed, this seventh principle is in a certain regard nothing else but the doppelganger, the guardian of the threshold himself. And this principle sets the student of the spiritual a special task. Okay, so there we are. These things are so hard to talk about because for people who haven't read everything else, they're thinking this is complete new age nonsense. Well, it's a a long way from new age, but here's why I consider it and why I think it's important to put out there for people to consider having their back pocket. Almost every tradition has a virgin version of this, even in the Christianity, the seventh, seventh heaven, uh, in, in the meditative traditions, you got your astral plane, your buddhic plane, you know, it goes out and out. They all describe spiritual realms roughly in the neighborhood of seven of them, some less, some a little more, um, and it's reflected over and over and over. And so that's why I think it's important to lay this down. But what they're basically saying here is in a spiritual path, at some point when you're making real headway, you're going to have to face off of the guardian of the threshold. What would you add, Wayne? I would add it's an important concept to keep in mind, right? Because uh, here's the thing with all of this. And we can't really prove or disprove any of this stuff. But these are ideas that have permeated all different cultures and belief systems. uh, That uh, you have this uh, inner spiritual battle going on within yourself all the time. Uh, It's it's the good versus evil dynamic, right? The the ascendant, uh, you know, spiritual versus the animalistic physical, right? Your physical nature. Uh, So you have this battle going on. And what this does is this makes a personification of it in a sense. Uh, This is what in Christian circles would be equated to the devil, right? The devil made me do it. Uh, This kind of thing. You have this this double, uh, this doppelganger kind of uh, 
uh, consciousness that uh, resides with you, that's always at constant battle with your good side or your spiritual side. Uh, so it, it's all about finding uh, a balance between these two things and understanding that we are all flawed human beings and, uh, you know, letting that be a factor in all the things that we do. Like just recognizing that fact that I have these flaws, right? And that's something that gets lost on a lot of these people that get involved with these secret society groups and elevate themselves to very high positions within. Uh, they think they transcend that. And this is uh, what they call crossing the abyss, right? Uh, and once they've crossed the abyss in many of these occult uh, uh, you know, organizations and stuff like that, they feel that they're above the concept of morality, right? Or ethics. Uh, and that's why they behave in the ways that they do. And it's all about satisfying their will, their own will. Uh, so they think they've transcended the uh, concept of morality. And you can't do that. That goes beyond natural law, right? Uh, so th that being the case, I mean, there's natural law principles that guide and direct everything that goes on uh, that we can see that were laid down by the creator. And you can't violate those as much as you would uh, want to per se, if you're one of these people, well, they think that uh, they, once they, they achieve this certain position or this certain elevation point uh, within these secret teachings, that they transcend that. Like I said, it's, it's what they call crossing the abyss. Uh, and uh, once they've done that, they think they're above the law, so to say, or above morality. Uh, so they don't let that be a guiding principle for them anymore. And what this does is this is actually losing touch with that double and allowing that double to take charge, right? Uh, that's that's essentially what what goes on here. Uh, and and as we go, we'll we'll see uh, different ways Steiner describes this and understand a little better what's going on. And I'll also uh, I'm sure I'll I'll draw the lines of intent here directly to transhumanism. Uh, what this is on a, a very uh, spiritual level here. Uh, because the, the vast core of the transhumanist movement or philosophy centers all around just primarily the material existence here and trying to equate everything to gross materialism. And that's not the case. And there are people in high positions uh, in, you know, the power structure of this world, these dark occultists that run this place that know better, right? That there's there's more than just the physical world here. There are spiritual concerns. And uh, this this is kind of, it's very high level thinking in regards to this, but you need to understand there are some core spiritual principles involved with this, and this is exactly what they intend. So whether you believe any of this stuff or not, it's important to understand it because there are people in positions of power in this world that very much do and are acting upon these beliefs. Uh, so essentially, in my view, uh, just to kind of bridge the gap here a little for people, and we'll get into it more later as for the specifics, essentially what's being done here with this whole transhumanist philosophy and this transhumanist movement is to try to set into place this harmonic double in place of the human soul here in physical reality and have that manifest here because that's what the harmonic double wants the most is to be able to manifest in this place in this physical realm. Uh, and we'll, we'll get more into the descriptions of that that Steiner gives later. We should say, so they claim. but So they claim. Yeah, there's another point that we need to make here. According to what I've seen from the Rosicrucians, what I've seen from Steiner, and to some weird degree, uh, Light of Egypt has an idea. The claim is, is that the Aramonic double, the doppelganger, all the things we just called the supposed other entity that is stuck to us from birth, is that it can't cross the threshold of death with you. 
And Steiner's big thing is, but he sure is trying. And if that ever happens, we're all in trouble. And by the way, did I tell you I'm releasing this hidden information a little late in the game? 2020 is right around the corner. And the reason I'm making ridiculous jokes about this is because all of us wonder, you know, who, who the hell are these so-called people, these human beings that are crapping in the punch bowl that we all got to drink from? Don't they have to drink from the punch bowl? And you start to logically work out you know, if there is this dark side of things, have they just totally caved into it? Are they even running their own ship anymore? And I'll quote Steiner real quick. And unfortunately, I'll have to quote a movie, which I wish I could do better, but I can't. But Caesar is quoted as saying the best enemy or the toughest enemy will hide in the last place you would ever expect. And this quote is attributed to the human double. Now, I read that quote my whole life and never had an idea, but the moment I had this other information, I'm thinking, really, is this really what's going on? So here's the quote from Steiner. To establish the right relationship to this doppelganger and not permit him to do anything that is not under the influence of the newborn ego, meaning us, strengthens and fortifies a man's powers. Now, as in so much of this writing, like light of Egypt or any of the other ones I can point out, he said man's powers. Well, what is he open with? The sun is the realm of the powers of the sun. In the Bible, the word sun is spelled one way to refer to the light in the sky and another way to refer to the light of this world. So it gets down to the minutiae here. We got to pay attention to the words, but what they're basically saying is the newborn ego. See, now this is the Freudian idea, the ego, the other, the enemy at the gate, whatever Freud would call it. Now, here's Steiner's pulling in the newborn ego and saying it has to strengthen itself and fortify it using man's, quote, powers to be in control and not let the, the human double, the, the enemy at the gate, the doppelganger have control. Now think back, and I'm sorry, I got to use such a terrible example, but in Revolver, Jake is in the elevator. Who's he battling? Who does he beat down in the elevator? When he walks out, he is a free man. That's the best I can do. It's unfortunate that I got to use some violent movie to do it, but I, I can't think of another example where I know certainly that that was what was being portrayed. Oh, I'll, I'll add to that with another movie. Uh, first of all, Star Wars, the original Star Wars movie. When Luke encounters uh, Darth Vader and he uh, fights Darth Vader and the helmet falls off and reveals Luke's face. That's the same basic concept. Being there you go, the dark there. side. Right. There it is. There it is. Now, there's an interesting point here about transhumanism and the people who follow it. They're generally atheists, which is why they want to lock themselves into a physical reality that I would think would be perpetual hell. But the higher ups know that there's a spiritual realm. So it's almost like the transhumanists are useful idiots to them in some way. Absolutely. So I can address this spot on from what I've read of what they're claiming the Aramonic double is, is it wants to exist here. It does not want to go to heaven. It doesn't want to spiritually advance through the hierarchies, whatever you think is correct. It doesn't want to go to the astral plane, the Buddha plane, the seven heaven, heaven, any 50 ways I could say spiritually advancing. The Aramonic double wants to be here. So that is hand in glove with the transhumanist idea. That's hyper-materialism. There is no God. You can't spiritually go anywhere. We're here. And by the way, how good's your car? You know, that's so it kind of does fit the idea of it. 
Oh, it absolutely does. And and that's the uh, bottom line here. Now, the Aramonic double has been described other ways by other different groups. Uh, this relates one to one with the idea of the archons in, uh, you know, go. Gnosticism. Uh, think about that because it's it's the same basic concept. OK, yep. how Steiner describes this Aramonic double. It has intelligence. It's very highly intelligent. It wants to manifest here. It has no immortal soul, so to say. Right. It doesn't have soul. It doesn't have spirit, so to say. Uh, so it, it's kind of a, a dead entity of sorts, uh, which which aligns with the everything going on in the world as well. And it want to, wants to manifest here. That's its ultimate goal is to manifest here spiritually. And it also equates back to uh, some of the ideas uh, put forward uh, by, uh, you know, many of the philosophers here uh, about elemental or nature spirits. I've done a lot of reading into that. And, and this is essentially the, the kind of thing. It's, it's something that doesn't have the same type of immortal soul that a human being would have. So it doesn't care about transcendence or going to a higher plane or the seventh heaven or wherever it is that, uh, you know, people transcend beyond this place where our, our immortal soul will transcend to. Uh, it's more interested in existing here in the material world. And this is something that's been hinted at through all different kinds of mythologies and uh, different teachings and stuff uh, through all the ages. Uh, it's, it's said the angels um, have this kind of a, a desire at points too, uh, like the fallen angels back in, uh, you know, if you go back and look at the book of Genesis chapter six, uh, what many of them call the Genesis six experiment, uh, where the, the fallen angels, well, they, they wanted to manifest here. Uh, because, um, you know, it's it's a desirable thing to manifest here in physical form, right? And that's that's what's talked about. Like a lot of these more spiritual beings, they want to experience that. And they say it's kind of like an addiction for some uh, to want to do that. And that's uh, that's one of the stories that I see going back through the, the old Rosicrucian writings and stuff like that. Uh, that was one of the flaws of the Atlanteans, the Atlantean civilization uh, from, you know, as being a, as transcendent from the Lemurian civilization. What they claim is what had happened is uh, they started to manifest here physically in the actual form. And uh, because of the five senses and stuff we have here, it's become a very desirable thing. And it's it's almost like an addiction. So they want to keep uh, coming back and manifesting physically here. These These beings that were once had feet in both worlds, so to say, the spiritual and the physical. Well, they, they wanted to tie themselves more to the physical. Uh, and, and this is what the Aramonic uh, double kind of represents here. Uh, it's, it's a stepping in of something. It's an intelligence, so to say, a different type of soul, uh, like many of the old writings and stuff equate uh, to the idea of the elemental or the nature spirit. Uh, when you go back, you look at the writings of Paracelsus and you look at the uh, the ways that uh, the Rosicrucian Brotherhood and stuff have abused that idea. Well, it, it's basically equating the same principle here, but on a, a micro scale within man rather than within the whole of nature, uh, right? So uh, this is what it is. It's the microcosm once again. Uh, so it's the same kind of a, an idea. And, and some of these things are hard to wrap your brain around when we're, All we're of taught them. the things. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, we're taught differently in this day and age, a different way of thinking. Right. Uh, so it, it, it's it's hard to separate yourself from what we've been so indoctrinated with all our lives and take a step back and try to view it from this lens. Uh, so th that's kind of why this is such a hard subject to describe and to talk about uh, with people. So I, I hope we're uh, kind of laying the foundation for some of it. And we might want to use some of the descriptors here that uh, Steiner gives of these various aspects of the double, right, so that people could better understand. 
uh, or comprehend more about what we're talking about as far as the, the traits involved with it and, and that kind of thing. Uh, so if we could lay that out, that would probably be a, a good foundation for people to begin with. Right. So I'm going to take a shot. I'm going to try to describe a thing and I'll be upfront with you. I am not qualified to try to say one thing or another. I'm going to verbatim put on the table what I know has been said in at least three or four sources uh, that seem to be talking about the same thing. But again, what Wayne said, we've been brought up in hypermaterialism our whole lives. Look at our fake hypermaterialist chemical-based medicine, which never cures anything. We think that's normal. Uh, if you read from these supposed groups who supposedly knew things, they will tell you that every sickness comes from a spiritual cause. Every one of them. Now read the Bible where they're talking about, man, heal thyself. What they're basically saying is if you can get spiritually right, you can cure all these things because there's a spiritual cause. But in a material world, it's hard to think. So I'm going to do my best here to lay down the idea of evil as it's been described in a few different places. We're down here suffering on the face of the earth like we are now since 2020, once again, in a, in a you know, basically a suffering cycle. Nobody's very happy. And people look up and they say, dear God, why is there evil here? What purpose could it possibly serve? This is what I'm going to take a shot at. And this description comes from partially light of Egypt, partially Rosicrucians, some of the things that Steiner was saying, um, these other groups called this, you know, something to do with the, the Brotherhood of the Holy Grail or other things like this, just secret societies in general that dumped all their information in the last third of the 18, or not all of it, what they what they felt we were ready. Here's, here's the idea. Human beings are special beyond imagination, and this is why they say, we have the potential to be spiritually higher than anything that has ever existed. That includes angels, archangels, archai, the powers of the sun, the mites of Mars, the dominions of Jupiter, the thrones of Saturn, and the lofty cherubim and seraphim. Nothing gets more than God ever. He permeated and created or she or they or it, whatever you want to think, God created and permeated all this. At some point, we were granted, as we talk about, the divine spark and free will, and we were made beneficiaries of this natural world that gives us everything we need to survive. Here's the claim they make. The overarching Godhead directed the mites of Mars and some portion of the angels, which we're going to read about as fallen angels, to interject evil into the world. And everyone's going to say, who, who, what kind? this is already nonsense. Let me finish. The idea is we have been given the divine spark and free choice, free will. If we overcome the evil that has been put before us, this polarity, there's dark, there's light, there's night, there's day, there's positive, there's negative. If we overcome that, we will emerge at a spiritual level that has never been seen before. That's their claim, okay? To go a little further, and I hope I'm not messing this up too bad, it is claimed that that impulse came through the warlike mites of Mars and was directed through the angels to be implemented. It is further claimed that some of the angels took a liking to that idea, and that's what we refer to as fallen angels who were actually cast out of heaven and thrown down here. That's what they're saying. Some of this is a bit biblical. Some of it is a bit way further down the road. But here's the thing. All the groups claim that no other spiritual entity has free will. 
Angels are yes men for God. The Godhead impulse says do this and it's instantly done through whatever spiritual hierarchy it comes to. Mars is always doing what it does. It doesn't think about, should I do this? They're like, yes, men is the way I have interpreted what I've read. And so therein, again, becomes the special quality of being a so-called human being. We have been given free will and it is a huge deal. And if you don't think it's a huge deal, consider what's happened to us from 2020. Our world has fallen based on offers that we are not grown up enough to comprehend our offers. We think that's a law. No, it's a mandate. We think we have to do it to keep our job. That may be true, but it's not, you know, it's a choice. No, screw that. I don't need my job that much. I'm not doing this. There is the actual personification of evil making a run at your free will. Did you do what you were told? Did you follow all this nonsense, this fallen nonsense around you, or did you exercise your free will granted by the creator? So I don't know how well you think I went at that. I'm a little leery about talking about this because I'm really, I'm not qualified. All I can do is reflect what I see in the world, correlated across all the things I've read and that others have taught me. And I have some pretty decent teachers at this point, by the way, and put it out there. Uh, Wayne, we're about 50 minutes. We're going to have to wrap up. Do you think I butchered that in any way, or what do you think? No, I think you described it fairly well, but here's here's the bottom line to this before we move on to hour two and discuss some more specifics about things. This is basically uh, what's what's been described to us, okay? We've been given this gift of free will, and Steiner refers to this as the Luciferic uh, type of a, a, a thing here. Uh, Lucifer, having given man this... Uh, this this idea of having free will because he gave us the choice right he presented us with the dichotomy the evil so to say and uh, that being said uh, you know within the spiritual right he he presented this, this this dichotomy within the spiritual and now man has choice he could either uh, follow uh, the will of God or the Creator so to say or he could go this other way and uh, be self-serving uh, and learn lessons through this uh, so we've been gifted this free will principle. And here's the real key here. And this is what true alchemy really is. Evil was presented to this world because of the concept of free will. And it's man's choice to either do or accept evil or to do something with this evil. And Steiner describes it as describes evil as being a good out of its time, right? Uh, so this is what true alchemy is. It's taking these things that we perceive as evil in this time and finding ways to transmute them into good. And this is what true spiritual alchemy is all about. Uh, so, you know, that, that's the sense of, of what's going on here. That's why we have free will, uh, because we're, we're, you know, kind of uh, given this, this option, we can change the, the evils that we see, the bad, and turn them into good. Uh, and we could do this through, uh, you know, what uh, some of the occultists would call the Christ principle, so to say. Uh, so that's, that's what's been presented here. Uh, at least this, this is what Steiner says. And like I said, whether you believe any of this stuff or not, understand there's people in positions of power in this world that very much do. And the things they do with this knowledge or this uh, belief system will affect all of us. Uh, so, you know, I'm not going to tell people what to believe or tell people that this is necessarily true. I can't prove or disprove it either way. But there are a lot of things that seem to line up uh, with, with other things that I've studied and looked at. Uh, so that being the case, I think there's some important information in here. Uh, that we need to understand. So uh, 
that that's the bottom line here. So uh, I think that should probably just about close us out for hour one. Yeah. So let's just, you know, and I'll, I'll say, don't believe any of this, that that's the wrong way to go. You've got information, whatever you can correlate to things, you know, firsthand to be correct, then, then things become more valuable. If I'm holding this thing in my back pocket, this information, and I see things that I know are correct and real in the world and it correlates well then that back pocket information is a little more important if that happens enough times well now i'm starting to take it very seriously but i'll close with this idea considering that we all know what quarantine's about now want to know how i view this place i view this place as we are quarantined here and what's worse is we're basically quarantined in the dark whether you want to call it the firmament, the dome, the Van Allen belts, I don't care what you want to call it. There is a hard, fast barrier that you ain't taking your tennis shoes through. No material matters going through it. Now, is this weather talking the guardian at the gate? Is that how you got to get through? When you dream at night, are you getting through? People in the highest meditation, are they temporarily peaking on the other side? I don't know, but I know that it seems like a reasonable thing to consider. So being quarantined here, I will point out the following. Without the sun, we'd be quarantined in the dark. Luckily, what I call the aperture, the sun, that aperture up there, deigns to give us roughly or a little less than roughly half a day of light. And when it goes away, we're back in the dark again. It's almost like we're not quite advanced enough to take all the light all the time. Think of all the stories you've heard of people at the supposed poles where there's 24 hours of light and they start losing it. These ideas, whether or not that's correct, that's how I currently view this. And by the way, a year from now, I may view things much more differently because I will throw that out the second I have a reason to do so. So I hope people could follow along and see this as nothing more than information to be aware of. Were these secret societies being truthful? Were they giving something that was important? It seems like the people who run the show around here think that that is true. It seems like they are doing things based on information like this. But there it is. Wayne, tell people very quickly where they can find you. All right, man. Thanks again for having me on. Uh, I could be found over on Rockfin. That's R-O-K-F-I-N dot com backslash Wayne McCroy. Uh, Also, my YouTube channel, I've been a little more active on there lately. That's called Alchemical Tech Revolution. So I've been posting more things there and I can be found on Facebook at Files from the Conspiratorium. And I have several books out there, uh, my most recent being called The Demic of Pan, Breaking the Natural Order, where I explore some of the ideas of how mythology has been utilized uh, against the masses here in a way to try to change the world mind into accepting a new mythology, which deifies our modern science as the new God of this place and uh, to further drive people into the hyper-materialist viewpoint. So you can check out all of that. And also uh, I can be found every, almost every Wednesday night with Jason over on secrets of Saturn, where we do a weekly live stream. And we will also be doing death of the modern hero uh, beginning here very soon. Uh, It's a new channel and a new project that we've launched exploring different uh, titles uh, of uh, various movies and entertainment things as far as like science fiction and fantasy, those kind of things, and exploring some of the roots of uh, how mythology and archetypes and stuff permeate that and breaking down some of the social engineering aspects of it. So I could be found all of those places. Uh, that's about it. 
All right, there it is. There's hour one of episode 418. Uh, I hope to see you all over at crow777radio.com for the full show or the second hour. That's C-R-R-O-W-777radio.com. And I'd like to wish each and every one of you a happy, healthy, and higher-minded new era. There it is, man. Cheers. Is the enemy of knowing.